Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 509 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for October 15th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Facebook wants to watch you cook, Microsoft wants to help you game, and Warner Media wants to stream its own content. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on our live streaming platforms, which are Livestream.com, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Mixer, Twitch, and Periscope, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, or for a short while, Google+, uh, through syndication uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app, and the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcatchers like Spotify and TuneIn Radio, or of course on our apps, PlugHitsLive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Like I said, this here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are, oh my goodness, we are normally live on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, and when we're live, you can join us live in the studio by going to plughitslive.com slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio and give us uh, your take on the topics as we talk about them. And uh, we uh, always appreciate that, especially during the uh, Pilch Point, which will be on in just a little bit. Uh, where Abram will talk about some of the Intel stuff that we learned about. But we like to hear your uh, ideas on the topics as we talk about them all show long. If you can't join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe, which, by the way, has been redone this week. Uh, and from there, you will see all of our shows and all of the feeds available, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, uh, both available in HD and in audio. Um, and then you'll also see... Shows like First Looks, our special events feeds, also available in both, and a lot more. Um, I think that is the that is the spiel. Oh my goodness, Avram, <laughs> how are you tonight? Oh, I'm <laughs> all right. Uh, it's been a long, long week uh, so <laughs> last week, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Uh, I had. Uh, some good progress on on my Raspberry Pi projects, Excellent. so uh, so that's been that's been good. Behind me over here is uh, one of the, is the latest uh, prototype of my uh, my window to Scotland project. Oh yeah, um, which I pretty much have working, uh, except I got to figure out the best way. So I mentioned this because perhaps there are folks in the audience who would have ideas about this. You don't even necessarily need to be a Raspberry Pi person, maybe just a handy person. Um, the best way to kind of mount the Raspberry Pi Zero board. Uh, so uh, what the project is, for those who don't know, is um, I'm going to create a, I'm calling it a virtual window to Scotland. My, my coworker, Matt, loves uh, Scotland. He goes there a couple times a year. And when he's not there, he's watching a series of streaming webcams from Shetland uh, in, in the Scottish Highlands. So like you can go to this website, shetlandwebcams.com 
any time of day, and you can see like 12 different views of Shetland. One is a cliff, a couple of them are like the middle of the town, and you can see people walking around, and like, you know, if it's late at night, it'll be dark with a few lights, and if it's the middle of the day, you'll, you know, like, you know, it's a, it's like being there, you know? Okay. So, well, you know, I wouldn't say it's exactly like being there, but sure, you know, sure. if you're, uh, you know, missing, missing a faraway place that can make you see, feel a little bit more like you're there. So sure. he, he already watches this all the time cause he keeps like a second monitor with it on it. Like that's how much he, he likes it. Uh, and I was thinking, what if I made a raspberry Pi uh, thing that would do just this? Uh, and what I would do is attach a Raspberry Pi. Now I've decided a Raspberry Pi Zero, a Zero W, because those are the really small Raspberry Pis. Sure. They're really easy to mount places. Uh, plus, uh, I can buy one of the. I bought one of those for five dollars, so you know it's not not bad. You know, giving don't you know getting rid of it for a project doesn't feel as bad as the thirty dollar one or the thirty five dollar one. So. Um, so I, uh, so I fixed it. So, so what, what I wanted to do is get it so that the, the board will just boot up and it will show live, a live stream of these cams and there'll be like a little channel dial that he can turn on it to like change the channel and see a different, cause there's like 12 or 13 of these, of these different views. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, not, not too complicated. So I set it up. Uh, with the Raspberry Pi, and I got the pins, I soldered pins onto the Raspberry Pi Zero W, and then I used the pins to connect to uh, a potentiometer, which is a, for those who don't know, is a dial, right? Fancy word, it's a dial, uh, but you need to have put an analog to digital converter uh, chip on it, so because dials give an analog signal, and the pot, Raspberry Pi doesn't have analog input. Um, so anyway, I did all that and I pretty much got it working, although it's really slow when you change channels. There's like a 10 second lag when it like reloads the, you know, it loads a new feed. So, um, so there's that. And then okay. with the dial, you can't necessarily always tell what channel you're on until you stop, you wait the 10 seconds and you see it. So I'm thinking of switching it to buttons and doing something to show like what channel you're on, maybe giving it like a number or something. Maybe put a little LED screen with a channel number on it or something. Oh, okay, yeah. And it just just keeps, you know, so you have a left and right button or something because the potentiometer. While I I like the idea of it, isn't um, mm-hmm. you know it's hard to tell where you're, where you're you're at. Right. Um, but the the issue that I'm having, the biggest issue that I have is like how I'm going to mount this. Sure. So easy enough to put some wires together on a breadboard and spread them across my desk, but <laughs> I want to fix this so it looks nice and I can mount it on. We have an old Dell monitor at work that, that we're going to use for this, but it could have been any monitor. Okay. And I wanted to mount that on the wall. It has a visa plate. So I figured I would get some kind of visa sure. uh, hanger for the wall, but then the pie and the dial or the buttons, like what do I put those in and how do I mount those? Right. That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out now. Okay. So if people have any ideas on a, uh on how Avram can mount the Raspberry Pi. Which one did you say? Uh, it's a zero, zero W. If, if, if you really want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to like take the whole show about it, but it, uh, okay. Oops. Yeah. It's connected. 
this little thing here is the Raspberry Pi Zero W. It's the size of a USB stick. Uh, and it, it costs, well, usually it costs $10, but there's a store around here called Micro Center that sells oh. it for $5. Very nice. So, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the best deal in computing. <laughs> Mind you, it's not as powerful as the regular Raspberry Pi, but sure. for doing something like showing a video, it actually is pretty okay. And for a lot of the other things that you might want to do with the Raspberry Pi, like create a little video game center or whatever, it's, it's actually pretty good too. A, uh, a joke suggestion came in from the chat room to use some push pins. <laughs> it would work. It would work to get it, there are holes in it to mount. I should, you know, for those who don't know, there are holes on the sides to mount and a push pin probably would, but I don't know how, if it's good for it to be like smushed against the wall with a push pin. Sure. But then let's keep in mind that I'm probably going to put a board on top of it, like connected to the pins, mm-hmm. you know, which will have like the dial or the LED else or the buttons or the LCD on it. So, yeah. so like, I guess the point is what I really guess I want is some type of a box or something that I can hang on the wall that I can put them in where you don't see all of the guts. You just see the sure. parts that you need to see, like the buttons and the, and the screen. Sure. So. <laughs> well, if anybody has any suggestions, you can, uh, you can reach us on any of the social media. Uh, you want to get directly to him, find uh, the Pilch Point on Facebook and uh, send us a message over there. That'll be a great way for us to find out your ideas. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be really curious. And if, if anybody gives a good idea, we'll talk about it on the next show. Um, cool. So, uh, you know, yeah, that would be, uh, <laughs> that'd be cool. But, you know, I, I, I really enjoy that. And I encourage everybody to get to, to play with, raspberry pi if you get a chance because there's a chance to like you know do do cool stuff just because you can yeah for sure uh those those little micro boards are a lot of fun uh with that let's get into some news yeah This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. If you haven't heard, there's a whole new line of uh, Surface devices. There's the Surface Pro 6. There's the new Surface Studio 2. There's a Surface Laptop 2. And the new black color is great. It makes me sad that this one is so bright and silvery. I wish this one was... (laughs) as wonderful as the new uh, the new finishes but that's not all there's a whole lot more you can get an Xbox one s or one X you can get uh, VR AR mixed reality headsets uh, and you can even get phones like the Samsung Galaxy s9 and more all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft don't forget students get 10% off So, if you're not aware that um, a lot of people are um, a little down on Facebook right now, <laughs> then you have, I don't know, you, you probably been living on another planet because it has been a topic of conversation for eight months now, maybe, since uh, before the Cambridge Analytica issues, but certainly since then. Um, And, you know, it seems like every time we turn around, there's another interesting new piece of information like the uh, data breach 
that happened a couple of weeks ago that we didn't cover because we weren't on the air. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if you guys were affected. I was, I was logged out of all of my stuff and, uh, it obviously for me, that's a much bigger deal than for most people. Cause auto publishing and all that, all of that went away for me. Um, so, you know, for me, especially, uh, my feelings on Facebook are, uh, souring, but, uh, it seems to be a general general feeling right now. They're seeing their usage uh, decline and things like that. And so with that, uh, they made a strange announcement this week in a new piece of hardware, which they are calling the Facebook portal. Uh, the portal is a smart screen. There's nothing particularly special or even sexy about it. The plus looks interesting it's shaped weird um but you know it's a smart screen everybody's got them um i not not you uh, i mean all the companies that have assistants pretty much have some sort of a smart screen in one way or another and uh you know you can make you can make video calls through you know skype or facetime or you know, whatever, Google Hangouts, whatever service is available on it. In this case, it's Facebook Messenger. Uh, but really, the thing that makes this interesting is the timing of the release and the amount of marketing that the company has put into trying to convince people that it's a private device. In fact, if you go to portal.facebook.com, which is the marketing page for the product. There is only one link that takes you off of the main page and it takes you to an entire page about nothing but privacy on the device. It is the only secondary page on the entire domain. It's all about privacy. And it, it talks about, like it comes with one of those little uh, webcam covers, which, you know, who cares? A piece of tape accomplishes that too. But... It also talks about how uh, Facebook can't see your see or hear your video conversations, um, and obviously, companies have made claims like that before at varying levels of accuracy. Um, I just can't imagine that now is the time to release this. Obviously, a lot of time and money has gone into developing this piece of hardware. So they're not just going to sit on it. But what do you think, Abram? Is is it just me or is this like the weirdest time ever to release something like this? <sighs> See, here's the interesting thing. I actually kind of uh, think this is a very interesting product. I actually think this could be could be a very a very if it you know if it operates as as advertised sure. could be a very compelling product. Because, uh, but obviously the timing in terms of Facebook is not great, but right. like, I mean, they still have a very compelling argument to make. Yes. Look, people like you and me, probably not that, um, not as impressed as, as we could be, but I'm very interested in, in how good the quality of this like AI camera is me too. That's supposed to follow you around the room. So if, if it's even half as good as the video that they show, 
they'll need to license that technology because I would love to have my cameras be able to do that on the show. Right, exactly. So the thing is, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of usefulness to this. And look, we've been, how many years were people talking about video phones? Uh huh. And we, when, when, uh, when Epcot redid its main thing in like the late 90s and created that whole interventions thing, there was a whole, display of nothing but but video phones and it was the only place you could use them funny thing about epcot i don't know if it's changed in the last few years last time i was there they kept talking about things that are coming in the future as if like and some of them are probably already here yeah like they didn't update anything um yeah it was the same as when i was a kid and went there but but anyway um i digress this i mean yes you and i are talking on a video call right now and we could do uh, we could do this on our on a phone too. Sure. So yay, we have video, we've have video calling. But I don't do a lot of video calls. I mean, I guess we do video. I do them for meetings <laughs> and things like that. But like, you just don't like socially. I don't socially do them. Um, but if but this sort of thing seems like you could really hang out with a person for a while. Uh huh. You know, it doesn't like. Because the thing about video calls, you got to sit there in front of the computer or on your phone or whatever. Like this is right in your living room or your right. kitchen or something. You could be chatting with somebody while you're cooking or whatever. A lot of things like you do while while and like you know, there's a bit of a. I mean, I really like the idea of telepresence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that's been I, that's been an interesting topic for you for a little while. Yeah, I really like the idea. Now, mind you. You know how how close can you get to, you know? There's nothing like being there, but right, right. how how close can you get when you have someone who's like a remote employee or something uh, in your business, and you want to be have them have the feeling of being in the office? Like we have two employees, two people in my job who are like not you know who live far away, and so they don't come to the office. So I I really wish I could keep, put up a screen on like you know, screen like in the middle of the work area or something where they could kind of see everything, see everybody around and we could sort of see them and they could just sort of be working there all day. Sure. Uh, uh, so uh, this seems like, you know, this is made for the home, uh, but this seems like something that, it you know, kind of gives you more of a feel of being there if it functions as they say. Sure. So the fact that it's from Facebook it is unfortunate. Uh, on the other hand, using Facebook Messenger is not unfortunate because so many people have it. Yeah. It's a good platform for this because so many people have it. That's, and already that's true. and already use it. Yeah, like regularly dur- just during the day. Um, absolutely. I and from a technology standpoint, there's definitely uh a lot of interestingness to it, uh, especially that camera. Um, I in in my article, I even wrote about how impressed I am if that camera works half as well as as they say it does. I'm gonna be excited about it. Um, but yeah, it just seems like it's it seems like an unfortunate time for Facebook to do this. Yeah, I mean, 
I'd like to see Google do it. I mean, you, you have things like, um, you know, Lenovo has the smart screen that is a Google, uh, I think that has a cam on it. Uh, there, I think there's at least one or two devices that let you do like Google, Google Hangouts or something from the, uh, from your living room. But you know, a lot of people aren't on that all the time. Yeah. So like, unfortunately, Facebook is probably the most universal um, chat client around right now. Yeah, probably. Um, I would kind of like an independent device that let me do this across different uh, services. Uh huh. But um, I guess we'll have to see. But I'm I'm really curious about the camera technology and just like the ease of it. Um, you know, it's not, I don't, apart from my coworkers right now, I don't have a lot of people that I'm like, Hey, let's just, uh, you know, let's just talk for three hours. Uh-huh. But, um, I just don't have this type of conversation anymore, even with people who live with me. But anyway, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it just seems like a really compelling social, social tool, uh, for people who want who have, you know, people are far away and they want to like be there. So I, I'm curious to see how, how it works. Yeah. Facebook has really sullied their, their reputation, but this is a good product idea. Uh, and I think there's still room for, for, for them to succeed with a good idea. Yeah. Cause like, like the, uh, the echo show has, has video chatting, but you have to talk to somebody else who has one, which yeah. totally limits its appeal. Whereas with with this, you know, a portal can talk to a an Android or you know whatever the it doesn't care where the other person is, so that makes it even more compelling. Um, it'll just be interesting to see if having the Facebook name on it sullies it at all, as far and as Echo people Sh- are concerned. And Echo Show doesn't have this special camera either, right. so like, right? That's you know, yes. Video calls are around, but like I'm really curious about this camera technology. I think to me that's the interesting piece. If it's if it's not there, if 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 there's nothing special about the the the, the camera angles that it gets and things like that, then mm-hmm. you know anybody could create such a thing and without Facebook's help. Yeah, you could for create. Sure. You could use it. You could use a Raspberry Pi and create one. Right. Right. Exactly. Because I mean. You could do a Raspberry Pi and Windows 10 IoT Core almost because the one of the Skype clients has an auto follow feature. Most Logitech cameras have it built in. It's just, is it as good as Facebook says it is? Yep. Because <laughs> if it is, ooh, that, <laughs> that's the thing that's going to set it apart. Yep. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer, upgrading an existing one, or getting a, a older laptop back up and running, Newegg has all the parts to help you do that from uh, power supplies and processors, motherboards, video cards, SSDs, and a whole lot more. And they offer a, uh, a daily deal in fact, right now they have an Asus ROG Strix 
uh, laptop for uh, twelve seventy nine, which is about two hundred and fifty bucks off a of normal, which is a pretty good deal. Uh, but every day they change, so you can find out what the daily deals are and uh, shop all of the uh, <laughs> the uh, catalog by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So, Avram, it's been a little while since we've been on, and so some stuff has happened. <laughs> a fair amount. A fair <laughs> amount with, uh, I'm sure, a lot more to come because we're getting into crunch time for holiday season. So new products, it's just kind of a narrow window for companies to get in, you know, to get their stuff in and have people be buying it in time for holiday. Now, I have to say, we should all be kind of honest with ourselves. Who is buying somebody? And if who is buying somebody like, you know, a $600 CPU or a $2,000 computer with a $600 CPU in it uh, for for the ho- for the holidays. If you're gifting people this, please let's be friends. Good friends. Right? Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are gifting themselves these things. So why it has to come out in exact time for the holiday season is, you know, questionable. But it's, it is the time of year when... Uh, people do the most shopping and spend the most money. So everything is kind of geared toward is geared toward supporting this season toward supporting that. So, you know, we're in the middle of October now stuff needs to to be out like really, really soon or else to miss the season. So uh, Intel, you know, we've heard about NVIDIA's cards. Uh, Those are rolling out uh, the new NVIDIA RTX cards. And now we ha- also have some new CPUs. Um, I mean, we also know AMD is, have, has a couple of new CPUs as part of its existing Ryzen 2000 series. But the real exciting news is, roll call, please, uh, Intel's ninth gen core chips, otherwise known as Coffee Lake Refresh. Uh, these are desktop CPUs so far. No, no word yet on laptop versions of them. Um, and they... They are, there's three of them. There's the Core i5-9600K, the Core i7-9700K, and the Core i9-9900K. So, the 9900K has eight cores. This is a step up from the last generation where there was eight, it was six cores. It has eight cores with 16 threads. Uh, and operates at a uh, boost frequency, a base frequency of 3.6 gigahertz and a boost frequency of 5 gigahertz. Uh, it supports up to 128 gigabytes of, of DDR4 RAM. And uh, it is Intel claims that it is the fastest processor for gaming ever uh, and on the market now. So, um, so interesting that Intel said that to support. So I was at the launch event um, last Monday, where uh, Intel introduced these new chips, along with a new Xeon chip for for workstations and servers, and a new X series chip that had twenty eight cores. Or is it the Xeon that had twenty eight cores? I think it was the X series chip that had twenty eight cores. 
but those are really for uh, either workstations or servers, not particularly, you know, most regular end users who are gaming and doing uh, productivity work. Sure. So, um, uh, so, core, so the Core i9, uh, they claim, is significantly faster, significantly higher frame rates than, say, AMD's closest competitor, which would be the uh, the twenty seven the Ryzen twenty seven hundred X, and Intel hired uh, a company called Principled Technologies, which is a benchmark company, to um, to do to do side by side comparisons. So I'm just going to redo some of it. So uh, it's never a good sign when you feel you have to read it exact. So, where do we have this? So, basically, there were a number. So, so for example, these tests showed, um, you know, Intel's, uh, and these are supposedly with the same GPU and the same SSD, the same power supply. Obviously, can't have the same motherboard from AMD to Intel. Sure, um, but. Uh, Intel's i9 uh, got like on Counter Strike uh, Global Offensive got 440 FPS to 295 on 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 the AMD chip. Now, granted, can you even see more than 295 frames per second? That's an open question. On um, like Assassin's Creed Origin, it got a 30% higher uh, benchmark score. On Forza Motorsport. It got uh, 50 frames per second more. Uh, on Ashes of the Singularity, it got uh, you know 18 frames per second, which in this case was like uh, like 30 percent more. So, according to the numbers that Intel showed everybody, wow, you know, this CPU really makes a difference um, in 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 gaming, which is a huge portion of the audience is going to be interested in. Well, uh, when people read the fine print of how principal technologies tested, there was a big controversy because some of the things uh, that they did were not um, in fa- were not favorable to AMD. So three things. First, um, on the AMD chip, they used the stock cooler, but on Intel's chip, they use an after a really nice aftermarket cooler. Now, their excuse for this, I mean, they, these things actually to me seem like an honest, mis- probably an honest mistake, which is that one of them came with, although they should have thought known better, the AMD one comes with a cooler and the Intel one does not. So you don't, you don't, you have to buy an aftermarket cooler for for the Intel one. Got it. Uh, but you know, that's making it, but you know, the better you're cool for those who don't know, the better cooled your CPU is the higher speed it can, it will reach. And therefore the faster it will go. So, uh, the cooling was not apples to apples. The, uh, they overclocked the Ram on the Intel on the Intel computer, but not on the AMD one. Um, and finally, they ran the AMD chip, and they said that 
AMD had recommended that they do this, but if AMD said that, that wasn't very smart, uh, that they ran it in something called game mode. Well, game mode is... So we all are familiar. A lot of us have heard of game mode on Windows 10. This is not, not that. This is something for AMD chips only that I think you enable through soft, through the BIOS or through software that shuts off half of the cores. Uh, so an eight core processor only uses four cores. Why would you do that? The reason that they do, they have such a thing that they have game mode. It sounds good. Like, Oh, for games, game mode. So I'll turn on. So that's why they probably did it. But it's meant for the Threadripper processor. So you have a processor that has like 32 cores. Right. Well, it, that actually at some point actually hurts games. Like they, they get, I don't know if it's overwhelmed or something, like they, having all, all the cores actually hurts the performance. They end up spending, the processor actually spends more of its time uh, managing the threads back and forth than it does actually performing calculations there's a certain point where where you you do more time more work managing than you do actual work and that's isn't that an argument against the whole <laughs> against having 32 cores in the first place um if if you're doing if you're doing that kind of thing absolutely so so anyway games most games do not use that many cores um so I don't know how much, you know, even four cores maybe was enough. I don't know. But they did run game mode, which turned off four of the cores. And they did not turn off the cores on the Intel, let me tell you that. So um, so for those reasons, uh, the whole thing became a big controversy. Uh-huh. Uh, Intel issued a statement saying, you know, we support principal technologies. Or, or basically they said, like, you know, these are consistent with what we got in our lab, not the same. Uh, then Principal Technologies retested, uh, you know, came out with their own statement, said, hey, you know, we, we think we did a good job, but we're going to thank you for the feedback. We're going to retest. Not retest. We're going to do some more tests. Uh-huh. Uh, and they did some more tests, I think, addressing the RAM issue and the game mode issue, sure. like not having game mode on. Uh, but they did not um, change the cooler. So um, the, after they did that, AMD the AMD chips did better, but they still didn't do better than Intel. Okay. Uh, and my guess is that Intel is probably better, uh, all things being fair and equal. We don't know this for a fact, though, um, and but... Um, you know, we'll uh, obviously find out when the full reviews come out, and I'll tell you now that Tom's Hardware will have a full review uh, of the Core i9 as soon as uh, we're allowed to publish one. Um, but uh, you know, we will. Uh, you know, we so people can expect to see some tests, some uh, you know, expect to, to see some real test results from from third from journalists such such as uh, as tom's hardware and and many of our colleagues um and uh you should go by those not by uh results that are published by the manufacturer uh-huh. now i think honestly that results that are published by the manufacturer like they're not just making it up out of whole cloth so 
I'm sure the CPU is really the, the Core i9 CPU is really fast, uh, and and given that Intel usually performs better on on games than than AMD, uh, you know all other things being equal because of optimizations that for Intel game makers do, and in, Intel is better at lightly threaded stuff, and most games are lightly threaded. Um, they uh, you know it probably will do. Do better than AMD, but you know we'll have to see how much better. Right. Uh, and for for the money, you know, is it is it worth it? Is it worth it? So uh, you know, we'll look forward to seeing that. But uh, the thing is, you know, when you have new processors like this come out, it spurs other things to come out because the industry still follows Intel. So uh, Intel recently came out with some new mobile, some new laptop processors, which were much less exciting because they were still part of the eighth generation, uh, but they were slightly faster clock speeds, and those were codenamed Whiskey Lake. So the Whiskey Lake processors, you know, were announced I think in August or, or September, and now, like now, you're starting to see a whole bunch of refreshes of of laptops. Why the laptop vendors generally hold off on some of their big releases until the new chip is is out. So uh, we will see a bunch of new desktop releases. We will see a bunch of new motherboard releases. So, you know, it spurs uh, these chip, uh, you know, obviously everyone's disappointed that Intel has not reached 10 nanometers yet and, and advanced uh, to, you know, really the next level with its chips. But these are still faster than, than the chips that came before them. And so that's something to be, uh, to be excited about when you, when you keep having you know, better and, and more more performance. And by the way, that five gigahertz is nothing. Uh, that they, that's the stock because we, uh, you know, we were at their event. We saw they had a professional overclocker with liquid nitrogen. So doing liquid nitrogen overclocks is uh, not something most people can do. It's expensive. Uh, they usually have teams. Like I was looking into how easy would it be for for us to do it in the office, and it was and people were telling me like. We had to spend several hundred dollars on, on this, on these, on like a pot and the a special pot to hold the liquid nitrogen. And you have to have the thing to, to, to funnel the liquid nitrogen and then you have to buy the liquid nitrogen right. and you have to get a certain amount or else nobody will sell it to you. And then you have to and, and like, and then you, you should have several different chips on hand for when you inevitably break one. So like, and to find the best one out of the bunch. So like, yeah, people who are doing this now are, are mostly uh, mostly like sponsored by companies that are or, or mm. directly work for Intel that are going to give them a bunch of chips and, and the equipment. But anyway, the guy who was there doing it on behalf of Intel uh, got it up to showed us he got it up to six point nine gigahertz on all eight cores. Ooh. And he said if he was only going for a single core he could get it up to like 7.3 or 7.4. Wow. So, and that's just, you know, and mind you, that was on the day of release that this guy, I mean, I, I, obviously he got early access to uh -huh. the chip, but to wait until, you know, all the overclockers, you know, get access, somebody could probably uh, beat that uh, because he's just the first. So um, anyway, that's crazy. Uh, you know, now a normal person, you're not even really going to use the computer where you have to pour liquid nitrogen on it on the CPU every minute. 
Like, how are you going to game? You're going to be like, hey, wait, wait, freeze, pause. Because <laughs> you have, you like, you, it doesn't, like, for those who are not familiar, it's like this smoky stuff and you got to, like, pour it on periodically. You have, like a, like, a little coffee mug of it or something and you just keep pouring it, like, every minute or so. So, like, you know. People who do this is to just to show that they can. Uh huh. Yeah. They may be running a benchmark while they do it to show how high the score is. You know, it's like eating. It's like professional hot dog eating or something like. Yeah. You know. It's it's not for any kind of productivity. Don't don't try this. At home. <laughs> so or, or try it at home only to just to do it. So, uh, but anyway, uh, exciting times. But obviously, uh, the lesson in all of this is, you know, don't. Don't believe uh, the don't believe the spec sheet. Believe uh, believe objective sites like Tom's Hardware and and our colleagues, uh, you know, folks at a non tech, uh, our sister site, uh, Tech Radar. Like, there's just a lot of people out there who are who are doing good good work. And like, you know, we're not incentivized to to fudge the results. We're incentivized to try and our our job is to try and poke a hole and, and find out. Right. Like, does this really work as expected? Uh, and one number that is always wrong every time is the battery life on uh, laptops. But we could spend all day on that. I'll just leave it at that. For sure. Well, obviously, uh, you have content about this already from the event. If I remember correctly, you guys were publishing like crazy yeah. Well, it's a big it was a big day for us. Plus, we've covered the whole the uh, said several articles on the principal technologies uh, controversy. Uh, so you could check all that out at Tom'sHardware.com. And you know, pretty soon those processors are going to hit the market, and uh, you'll you'll see some some reviews from us. Fantastic. Well, we always appreciate it, Abram. Since we can't be there. Uh... Since I can't be in the room, I'm glad that you bring the information to us. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer, whether it be a new uh, keyboard or mouse um, or the new Razer Nari uh, wireless gaming headset. You can pre-order the Razer Phone 2, uh, I guess the second phone designed for gamers. <laughs> The last one was the first. Um, and then, of course, uh, full systems, webcams, and all kinds of other gaming accessories are all available by going to f5live.tv slash razor. So, uh, last week, we missed the announcement of the um, Google's Project Stream, which... We have heard some things about, uh, you know, back office kind of stuff that Google was working on a thing, something gaming. We didn't know what it would be. So last week, Google announced 
uh, the beta for Project Stream that came uh, with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And not to be outdone, <laughs> uh, Microsoft fulfilled a promise that they made at E3 to bring more information about their game streaming platform in the future. And uh, just a couple of days later, they, uh, they fulfilled that promise and told us about Project X Cloud. I'm making the, uh, the assumption that the X is for Xbox and the cloud is a short part of Azure Cloud. Because this game, game streaming platform is, of course, powered by Microsoft Azure, as uh, all of Xbox Live is as well. And um, it is designed to be a little different from what Google's doing right now. Uh, Project Stream, at least today, is a desktop Chrome browser-based. Uh, whereas with xCloud, uh, Microsoft's intention is for you to be able to game wherever you are on just about any device you have. Um, if you can pair a Bluetooth... Uh, Xbox controller to the device, you're good to go. And they're working on touch controls on top of that. Here's the thing that really sets Project X Cloud apart. Uh, developers have to do absolutely nothing to make their game compatible. Um, no additional code. All they have to do is say, let's go. And it is available across the Project X Cloud network, which is a really cool, cool capability. Um, what we know right now is that um, public betas will begin sometime in early 2019. So we've got a couple of months until we see anything about this. My guess is, it, and it's totally a guess, uh, my guess is the official release date will be announced at E3 2019. And could very well be E3 2019. It's not unusual for Microsoft to say, and it's available now on stage at E3. Uh, they did that with uh, at least one Xbox and a number of other products they've done that with. So um, Microsoft's could be uh, pretty close behind and uh, has some potential. I, uh, I like the idea that developers don't have to do anything special as opposed to the Xbox Play Anywhere capability, which required developers to either have a special relationship with Microsoft or um, build it on the universal Windows platform. Uh, this means if it runs on the Xbox, on the Xbox One, you're good to go. That's pretty cool. Well, what if it... So, But it's not for PC games? Um, so I don't know. Uh, my guess is that it will also support PC games. Um but being as it's it's designed for controller, um, there are obviously PC games that need that keyboard and mouse uh, interface to make them sing. So they might have to do some work to support controller, uh, but Xbox games require absolutely nothing special. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I wonder about with, with this. So, like, somewhere... We always talk about the cloud as if it's like this magic place, but somewhere there is a server farm. Yes, somewhere it's in Azure. Right. Uh, so, 
in your search, I have seen, I forget, I don't think GeForce Now is this, but I, I, there's a couple of these. So game streaming services, there's a few of them. Yep. Uh, and dating back, couple, dating back to on live. Uh, yeah, sure. Like a decade, almost a decade ago now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always worried that someone's going to get it right. I'll be honest with you. Uh-huh. Like it's actually would be like probably good for gamers and consumers but kind of bad for the fun of building hardware because it would be like, oh, okay, why don't I just use this crap? Like, why don't I just keep using this crappy old computer because I don't need a good computer because... Because all the hard work is being done somewhere else. Because the hard work's being done somewhere else. So that's probably good for good for consumers, but it would be... It would take some of the fun out of, like, owning your own, you know... And it would, wouldn't, be, well, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun for, uh, for Intel... Yeah, you would. The funny thing though is that like GeForce is sort of Nvidia is sort of participating in its own demise by having uh, GeForce Now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they make the service that will put them out of business if it works well enough. But but they um, also supply themselves with with chips for the server farm that powers right. it. So eh, yeah, some give or take there. Yes. But my thought on that, I mean, so interestingly, years a, a couple of years ago, I was at a breakfast with uh, Jensen Wong, Jensen, uh, uh, Jensen Wong, who's the uh, CEO of NVIDIA, and we got to ask questions, and that was my question. I was like, well, what do you think about game streaming? Do you think that's a threat to your to your business? And he said, no, it's, it's no difference to us because if there's game streaming, we still have to supply the video cards. Uh, but... You know, on the other hand, I would say there's if there's a lot of gamers who have their own PCs now, if you're in a server farm, you have efficiencies. People uh-huh. are not always using that same GPU, so right. it's shared, so there's yep. a lot fewer uh, GPUs. There's a lot fewer computers needed. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so, for sure. But, so, uh, but Microsoft isn't worried about Intel's stock price here. No, not at all. But here's where this gets interesting for Microsoft with PCs is a lot of these services will tell you what hardware the game has to run on. I think there's a couple of them, I forget the name of, where you it's literally just like a VPN. You log into a, a computer that has Windows on it and you can install the game that you want. Blue, um, blue something. Um. Yeah, I know. They, I know the one you're talking about. I have an account, and they will, t- and they tell you what it has. I think it has like a Xeon processor mm-hmm. and a certain amount of RAM and a certain video card. So, like for Xbox, it's consistent. Whatever the game is, it's as long as it can run on Xbox. It's they they their their server farm has you know has you know it's a, I don't know if it's literally a bunch of Xboxes, but has the hardware equivalent to be an Xbox. Sure, but. You know, some of these games that are pushing the envelope with things like ray tracing and stuff like that, like, you know, how do you know that, like, is the streaming service going to have good enough PCs to give you the absolutely maximum right, right. Uh, performance? Yeah, almost certainly not. Um, I think I think they're trying to make s- above standard gaming available to more people that's my guess um while bringing you know things like um uh gears 
and Halo to non window non Windows powered devices. You know, to be able to play you know Halo four on your iPhone, you know, that that kind of capability is a fascinating fascinating Listen. scenario. My coworker Marshall Honoroff has a great article up on laptopmag.com. Uh, and it's about how he played used Project Stream mm-hmm. to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey on a laptop that is eight years old. Okay. Not even a good eight-year-old laptop, a really crappy one. Sure. Uh, and he was able to play it. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Because that's... essentially, you know, as long as your network connection is good enough, it's, it's almost no different than watching us right now. Because you're essentially just getting a video stream to your device and you're pushing the occasional, you know, bit here and there upwards. But, you know, keyboard and controller commands are irrelevant in the grand scheme of data transfer. Right. His, his he said his biggest problem and most people would be past this problem is uh, the Wi-Fi card was not good. was not yeah was not great on his old computer and therefore at um at eight years old it was probably a g yes right so that that's the main issue that he had with his eight-year-old laptop but for those who have a have a computer that was bought in the last few years and maybe even as a bottom line computer or you know a computer like mine which is integrated graphics like you can uh you can game so yeah it'll bring new capabilities to uh to devices that could not support them before, which is kind of cool. Plus it gives them the ability to bring their franchises to devices that are not theirs. So um, we don't know price. We don't know availability. We do know that right now um, the connection speed for xCloud um, is only uh, a 10 megabit connection to be successful, which is pretty impressive. Uh, So you're uh, your colleague with his probably 54 uh, uh, megabit uh, wireless G <laughs> would be able to do it. And heck, you might even be able to do it with a with a, a B because that would have been 11. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is this is pretty impressive. Uh, and they want I think they want to get that 10 even lower. So it'll be cool to see. Uh, what comes out of it, like I said, uh, betas will start uh, sometime next year, and my guess is we'll at least know when the release is at E3 2019. And Google is 15, so that would be impressive for Microsoft to have that. Uh, uh, speed? Yeah. Okay. The minimum for Google is 15 and the megabit per second. Gotcha. And I think Microsoft was saying that they're they're actually averaging at 10. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you. Uh, Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentary for B-movie oddities and Hollywood blockbusters. Um, B-movies like Phantom Creeps. I, I, I can't even make these things up. 
The way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, you play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, from time to time, they do have uh, live shows. Right now, uh, they don't have any scheduled, but uh, hopefully we will hear about some new ones coming up. And of course, they also have their short films, those odd industry films and things that uh, you used to watch in school when the teacher didn't want to teach. Um, all of those are the kinds of things they make fun of. And you can find out about all of the short films and all of the full-length features by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. I keep that that one line in that promo because it makes you laugh every week, Abram. <laughs> when I say the teacher didn't want to teach, you laugh every week and it makes me happy. Anyway, so, uh, oh, it's time to say farewell to Google+. It has been a long time coming. Uh, it's kind of been the... Uh, the butt of the joke kind of in the industry uh anytime you hear it spoken by somebody in the tech industry it's usually in reference to uh only google employees using it uh google has done a lot to uh try and either trick or force people to use it including uh trying to integrate it into uh the the google places reviews they tried to force you to have a google plus account so you could comment on youtube and uh when they did that youtube uh commenting went down sharply and uh, google plus usage didn't go up which i thought was fascinating people would rather not comment on youtube than uh have a google plus account which should have told them something a long time ago but it took until now and uh the, the reason, the stated reason, who knows what the real reason is, but the stated reason is that there was a uh, security breach in March, uh, or at least there was a, a security problem uh, discovered and patched in March of 2018 that was introduced in 2015 uh, and sat open for the whole time. Um, unfortunately, Google Plus uh, logs only... Uh, stay for two weeks so there's no telling if anybody ever actually took advantage of this hole um, they patched it in March the Wall Street Journal uh, talked about it wrote a, an article about it uh, last week and after that Google said alright we're done mostly uh, Google Plus is a is like weirdly integrated into the G Suite, which uh, some companies use. Um, and so that aspect will still be staying around, uh, but the public service will be gone by uh, mid-2019. And if you happen to be one of the non-Google employees who has data there that would like to get it out, Google has created an export process uh, for you, but I would do it soon because... You know, you'll forget about it. Most people did. Now, now I know uh, Avram was a little more connected to it than than others. So I I, I, I like Google Plus, and I'm sad to see it go. I but I admit 
And by the way, let's get this straight. If Google wanted to keep Google Plus there, this the fact that it had a security breach that they have now patched is not a re- is not a reason to shut it down. Seven months ago, they patched right. it seven months ago. So the reason that they're shutting it down is it, this is sort of an excuse to do something that they wanted to do, uh-huh. probably because it was an embarrassment to them, and uh, you know they had kind of given up on it a long time ago because look, I mean, they're not even trying to get people to use it anymore. Um, They pulled out all of its integration. They even pulled uh, the photos out into Google photos into its own standalone thing. Like they've been gutting it for a while. Yeah. They've been gutting it for a while. I think that's kind of, I think they should have, I mean, what do I know? But I think they should have doubled down double down on Google Plus, especially especially with the opportunity that's there with people not liking Facebook. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I tend to think of Google as a more responsible tech company uh, than Facebook. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong there. But like, maybe. you know, they they're not just, you know, now the maybe what I liked about Google Plus and what maybe people didn't like about it was it just seemed to be less touchy feely than Facebook. Uh, you know, it seemed to be more sort of practical. Um, it, that probably had a lot to do with the, the type of people who were on there. It tended, that, that to be, may, tended to be our type. It tended to be tech people who were in there. Yes. Yes. True. True. Right. Like, you know, so I never used it for any of the cute stuff either. Like, you know, I never posted any pictures of my family on there or anything like that. Um, I would use it to post articles on it. And I actually right. had, because I was in, in somebody's recommended circle at one time, I somehow amassed like 9,000 or 10,000 followers nice. on Google plus. So I liked that. I was like, Hey, you know, let me keep posting to Google plus. And then when everybody started to fade away from it, I, I didn't like make a regular habit of posting to it anymore either, mm-hmm. but it's a shame. I kind of would like them to, you know, I, I mean, the integration with your Google stuff is good. I mean, imagine if they could use that as a platform to get everybody to use Google for chat, although Google's chat strategy is still extremely confusing um, between Hangouts and Meet and how many other Google chat services are there? Um, yeah several that it's definitely their most confused uh brand yeah Uh, by the way i was just looking this up on the day that uh this was announced which i guess was like a week ago i got at like a press pitch saying there's a and who pitches these things there's a petition to save google plus at change.org oh i got Uh, that too so I was just checking to see how they did, um, and uh, it's still going on. And uh, twenty nine thousand people have uh, have signed out of their goal of thirty five thousand. And there are a couple of other like if you search change.org, there are a couple of other petitions that do the same thing, uh, that say the same thing. I would just like to point out that Google employs forty eight thousand people. I don't know that Google like I don't know that Google employees want want to keep it. No, back. no, it's just it goes back to that joke that only Google employees used Google yeah. Plus. I I know the the thing that is though like 
this is actually, I think, a really bad idea. Like, unless Google's plan is to come out with another social network. Ah, number five. Yeah, because I don't, like, I don't think that, I mean, this is an area where, like, they're letting Facebook own, and Google is has the expertise to, like, to do it better and, and, and technologically speaking google plus was better yeah uh than facebook it had better technology it had integration with your other stuff that facebook doesn't have so like i guess it failed in my opinion it just failed because the momentum was on facebook side so people didn't want to switch so you had people who were sort of you know technically astute yeah. trying it um, right right which would explain think, why it was the tech people who were living over there. Yeah. So in that respect, it's sad. I guess it was sort of somewhere between Facebook and LinkedIn for me. But um, I feel like, you know, Google has a, I mean, Google controls a lot of the things that people use socially, like their, like their, their mail, their calendar, their, um, so I don't know. This would be a good opportunity for them if they could get it right. I don't know what it would take for them to get it right, though. Yeah, and and here's the thing: neither do they. That's yeah, well, that's been their problem because, like, before before Plus, there was Wave, and even Google didn't know what that product was. Yeah, well, and then the there was is, then there was Buzz, which almost sued them out of existence. When that when that woman got attacked by her ex-husband because they gave him her location, <laughs> like yeah, that was yeah. they. I don't think they understand social in the same way that you know Microsoft has tried. What they've Microsoft had three social networks, and Microsoft doesn't get it either. Google doesn't get it. It it may just be like out of their their capability well here's the thing i'm not sure what it means to understand social maybe i don't understand long enough like i don't is it just is it just possible that this is sort of like a popularity contest and then like if you get enough of like the cool kids doing it yes it's just going to take on a life of its own so it's yes. not like there was anything that was wrong with google plus Function, Functionality-wise, it was very similar to Facebook, mm -hmm. but better. Um, I don't think it was necessarily the design, although it wasn't the prettiest-looking social network. It didn't give you the, the feels or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but Facebook doesn't either, though. Facebook's one of the ugliest sites, top 100 sites on the net. <laughs> so, like, why was MySpace so popular at the time that it was? So, like... Yeah, why, why did people go to MySpace over High Five? Like why did people why did, why did people migrate to to MySpace from High Five and why did people migrate to Facebook from MySpace? Who knows? And why did and there will be another one? Yep, somebody someday. somebody will unseat Facebook. It just seems like it's not going to be Google. Yeah. So, you know, just to point out, like, I I don't know what it takes. It could just be dumb luck. It could be. I think. Yeah. I think they they sealed their fate with their heavy-handed tactics when they tried to to force people into using Google Plus on on uh, 
places and, and YouTube and stuff like that. I, I think the heavy handedness is what sealed their fate because they didn't. Why was Gmail a success for them? Because it had this playful, like, oh, you can't join. Oh, yes, you can. Just ask a friend. Like, it had, it, right? It had this, like, playful uh, growth strategy to it. Whereas, you know, you've got Google Plus where they're like, you're going to use it or you can't comment on YouTube. <laughs> it was very, like, draconian. Versus the more playful nature of Gmail. I, I think the heavy-handed nature is the thing that that kept younger people off of it. Which, if you don't get the young people on a social media site, you're done. They should find some way of leveraging YouTube. Because YouTube is very popular. It's, it's, still, it's still, you know, the cool kids still go to YouTube. And that's what they were trying to do. They just did it wrong. Anyway, um, you've got six or seven months to get your stuff out of there if there's stuff that only exists there which I can't imagine anybody has any data that only exists in Google Plus but if you do go get it out now this week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic features. You know you get free shipping, sometimes same day, sometimes two hour, depending on where you are. And uh, that's great, but there's a lot of other features that you may not know about. For example, Amazon Prime Music. Unlimited streaming of several million tracks included in your existing Prime subscription. Amazon Prime Video with... Uh, a whole bunch of original content, movies, TV shows, documentaries, uh, plus licensed content, all included in your subscription. You get Amazon Prime Photos, which allows you to back up photos from your device uh, to uh, Amazon Web Services. Again, included in your subscription. Um, my favorite is Twitch Prime, which gives you uh, one free subscription to a, a Twitch um, account of your choosing. You can, we'd be very happy if you would use it on Plug Hits Live, uh, but you can subscribe to any channel for free, and uh, you get free games every month, just like PlayStation Network or Xbox Live, you get free games every month, and once they're yours, they're yours. So... And there's a whole bunch of other uh, benefits as well. We've put together a list of our favorites at f5live.tv slash prime. And if you're not already a subscriber, we've got a free 30-day trial over there as well. Speaking of streaming services, um, this isn't quite the topic, but uh, about a week and a half ago, a report came out that showed that as the number of video streaming services rises, so does the amount of video piracy. And so, because uh, as Avro and I have talked about time and time again, you're probably only going to subscribe to one, maybe two. Prime is probably one of them because you likely already have it. So maybe you have Netflix, maybe you have Hulu. Well, um, uh, Family Guy is only on Hulu. 
and or, no, let's go with this. Futurama is only on Hulu, but um, uh, Disenchantment, which is from the same team, is only on Netflix. So you can only watch one or the other. So what do people do? They go pirate the other ones. And so with that, AT&T, who now owns what was Time Warner and is now Warner Media, has announced that they will be bringing another video streaming service to the market. Um, they have not given it a name, but it will encompass basically all of the Warner Media brands. They intend to start with what is currently HBO Now and kind of expand out from there. My guess is, based on that, that it will be similar to how uh, Hulu and Amazon uh, function with their additional channel packages. Hulu has the ability to add Showtime. Um, Amazon has Showtime and HBO and a number of other channels that you can add to your subscription for less than doing it on cable. Um, and my guess is that this will work similarly. There'll be, there'll be uh, some packages in there and then like a, an on-demand kind of thing for Warner Media content. Uh, and then also from some partners such as DC Comics uh, apparently is going to be somehow wrapped up in here. Not terribly surprising considering uh, mm. Warner Brothers produces um, the DC movies, so it's not terribly surprising that Warner and DC are tied up in this. So, so but here's the thing. DC just launched their own streaming service. Yes, they did. Just for, just for DC. So how does that factor in? It's probably the stuff that Warner has the the rights to, uh, the stuff that they produce, and who knows? I mean, maybe maybe it won't be it won't be exclusive. Maybe it'll, you know the Warner stuff will be on both services. Who knows? Because I think that Warner Warner owns DC, right? So like, do they? I, I'm pretty sure that that Warner. I mean, I don't know how it's all broken out, but I think uh, I oh. think. Yeah, Time Warner, it owns DC. So like, yeah. Warner Brothers owns DC. I did not realize that. So if DC is owned by Warner Brothers, but DC is starting its own channel, it's like now you've got competing channels with that are owned by the same company. Um, uh, Com although Comcast owns thirty percent of Hulu and also has an Xfinity streaming service. Yeah, I, I mean. You know, to be fair, I, I said that and I immediately regret it because <laughs> my uh, my uh, Tom's Hardware is owned by uh, Future PLC Publishing, which now also owns uh -huh. uh, several <laughs> several other websites that also cover tech. So, and we compete with each other. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, we're competitors, I guess you could say. So, right. like. So it's um, co cooperation is the term that first robotics uses. Ah, uh, so, so you know, uh, I, I'm not I'm not against that per se, but I'm I'm just saying the the amount of streaming services is is really ridiculous. Uh, here here's a million dollar idea, a billion dollar idea. In fact, somebody should come up with a cable service for for streaming services. <laughs> Like the maybe the problem that people have now, granted, people sign up for streaming because they don't like cable, I guess. But now you could be a person who has cable, as I do, 
and still feel like you've got to sign up for a bunch of streaming services because there's all this good original content that you can't get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't matter how many channels I have on my TV, I still can't get uh, Netflix to watch all the cool original Netflix series. Right. And I can't get um, CBS All Access to watch Star Trek Discovery. Um, and, and so, and I can't get this new DC channel, which I'd like to see. And I can't get the new upcoming Disney channel that's going to have the uh, the new Star, Star Wars series. Uh-huh. So like, yeah. uh, what somebody, but one of the problems is, I think it feels more painful to look at your credit card bill and be like, $10, Like, wouldn't it be a little bit more appealing to someone if it was like, okay, here's your, here's your package, right? Right. Just like you have with cable, here's your streaming package and you pay one price and you get all these, you get your, all these services and you get billed once. Now it might cost you the same, (laughs) Maybe you maybe maybe they could fix it so because the service is driving like revenue to them that maybe they give you some kind of a discount right uh, off of what you would normally pay for for Netflix. Maybe it's like oh by combining your Netflix and your Prime and all these other things you get you know you save a little bit of dough. Sure. Although these are all competing services, but c- cable you know is full of competing networks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, HBO and and Showtime are not uh, and Stars are not. Um, you know, they're competing. Sure. So. So uh, I don't so, know. I mean, so, I, that, so you're you're pitching the idea of a streaming bundle, not like Tuesdays at nine p.m. is Stranger Things. No. no okay. No, no, no. I'm just saying like one bill, uh-huh. one credit card charge to rule them all to rule them. To, that gives you all the ones that you have. So you don't feel as bad about spending all these things. And then you'll have one control panel. Here's the convenience too. you have one control panel where you can turn them on and off. You know, like, okay, I can unsubscribe from, you know, unsubscribe my subscription from CBS all access right now and save lower my bill. Uh, and then I can resubscribe, you know, when Star Trek comes back on, <laughs> not that they would like that, but, um, you know, HBO apparently has real issues with like when game of Thrones, uh-huh. uh, season ends all of a sudden subscription, everyone's canceling their subscription. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> You, you, you are a bad person, just so you know. The domain that I want for this idea is available. All right. I don't, I don't have money to buy it right now. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, yet another streaming service coming to, uh, to make my idea here, Abram's idea here with my little brand name uh, more reasonable. Um, we don't, we don't know a whole lot of information. We don't know a name. We don't know pricing or anything like that, or even specifics on what content will be available. What we do know is that it will, it will launch in the fourth quarter of 2019. So um, between now and then, we'll probably hear, I don't know, what the first show will be. Uh, and then it'll, uh, 
it'll launch sometime uh, at the end of next year. So about a year. And that is our show. Uh, for those of you who joined us live, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, there were a number of people in and out of the chat rooms tonight. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, if you weren't able to join us live, that is okay. If you want to in the future, normally Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. If you can't join us live, that's okay. Plunkitslive.com slash subscribe, which is all new. You will see uh, all of our shows, all of our feeds. Uh, available there uh, and all of the myriad of places that you can follow us there's all kinds of new buttons showing up on the subscribe page because like we've always said we want to be in all of the places that you listen to content and so we are uh, quickly expanding uh, where we are available and as we do we're making it available for you to see easily um, I think that's it. Thank you again for joining us. And uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.